Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. afternoon good evening wherever you are welcome to another episode of sheologians we are here today to put the oh no <laughs> oh no we no i got this i'm so excited we are here today to put <laughs> oh no i'm so excited <sighs> okay try number three i got this we are here today to put the she in where she no <laughs> where sheep where ship where sheep sheep <laughs> I had to uh, my name I know you did <laughs> I know my name's Summer and I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. And Joy, I want you to know that if we were in a two-person band, you would be 100% of the talent. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. Uh, totes. I mean, I can I can definitely still play My Heart Will Go On on the piano. Right. But that's about it. That's like the <laughs> max things I remember. Right. Just the one. <clears throat> so we're a two-person band that travels around... <laughs> Performing, my heart will go on. <laughs> that would be like a dream. In like come a true. very theatrical way. <laughs> yeah. You could sing it. I could play I it. I mean, that song, as far as I understand, uh-huh. with my knowledge of the internet, yeah. there is no level of drama you or theater that will exceed yes. the power of that song. You really can't. You can, I mean, you could do an entire play you underneath it and just, it'd be like beautiful. That would be the entire soundtrack. Song is so perfect. Yeah. Um, but you are right. I am Joy and I'm so happy that we're having this conversation because Summer, I just want you to know that um, <laughs> every night in my dreams, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I totally came up with that before we even started this, and right before I said it, we brought up Titanic. Yeah, every it was just it was like predestined to happen this yep. way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I just anyway. Yeah. that is how I know you'll go on. <laughs> is that how? Yep. Because mm-hmm. every night in my dreams, I see you. I feel you. So you're a continuationist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I know. I know. And I need to apologize to everybody for just how much my allergies are just, they're just here, man. I feel like I don't have any allergies. Oh. I speak perfectly clearly. <laughs> and then once the microphone's in front of me, it's like, you're congested now. <laughs> you're congested and you're going to need to clear your throat every 30 seconds. That's right. It's going to be fine. I just can't even like up in Nevada. It's just everyone sounds like this right now. Oh, I'm taking Claritin, which I've never taken before in my entire life. 
and all of a sudden I can't breathe without it. And it's crazy. So that's why I sound like this. So I'm sorry in advance. But anyway, um, so this is our like welcome to our 80 something episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who knows? We've never counted. 84? 84? I feel like we said 83rd in the last one. I don't even know what we say ever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. True. (laughs) Also true. When I when I listen back when I listen back to the show before I, I post it, I'm like, oh, is that what we said? <laughs> I know. I do the same thing. And then I'll be listening to it to get like timestamps to post with the episode, and I'm like, oh man, I really hope that I say, oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Every time. I listened to the Benjamin Kyle episode. Mm-hmm. And all I could think was, we were so tired. We were so tired. That's all I could think, too. I know. We were so tired. We had recorded four episodes that yeah, day. We had been sitting and recording for... I mean, we like, recorded from one until seven at yeah, night. Yeah. And that's because you were going to go help save babies in Ireland, and you weren't going to be in town, and yeah. it was just crazy. Right. But, I mean, whatever. It happened. We don't intend on doing, doing that four ever again. Time ever no. Again. Just say no. <laughs> And despite this being the can eighty something time uh-huh. we've done this, I still have no idea how to transition. I'm like, so the the last thing I want to say is like, okay, so today we're going to be talking about this because <laughs> how yeah. boring. But know. you know, I mean, I think that um, the people that listen to like our opening part and they're not like skipping it, mm-hmm. like they're here for whatever mess this is. Oh yeah, whatever and then we want to say. Everybody else, they're like. Let me find that timestamp and record past your hooligarchy, right, which is right. also fine. I really appreciate people that know how to fast forward in podcasts. Right. And um, I don't appreciate it if you don't know how to do that. There's so much freedom. There's so much you freedom. You could listen to the last 30 seconds. Yeah, you could. I already know what song I'm going to play. So if that's what you came to hear. Just listen to the two songs. <laughs> it's fine. Just <laughs> just subscribe. Okay, guys? Anyway. Um <laughs> So last week, I don't even know what day it is. This week, last week, mm, recently, um, I decided to comment on a popular worship song. And by that, I mean, I really just wanted to comment on what the author said about the song. I've never liked this song. It's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I have not sat around and like pondered why. I don't like this song. I just was like, mm, this song makes me uncomfortable. We don't, we don't have feelings about everything. Right. Always. I so have very plenty few of feelings times all the where... time. <laughs> <laughs> very few. It's not like we, we don't listen to every worship song that no. people put out and decide whether it's no. But right. the the church that I'm at right now was singing this song, and I was just like, this is weird. I don't know how I feel about it, and um. One day, just what the author of the song had to say about the song. Right. I saw That it. was what garnered your attention. Yeah. And I read what he had to say about the song. And I was like, you know what? I just want to comment on this because I think it needs to be commented on. And I don't know, 900 comments later, <laughs> I have learned a lot about the evangelical state of worship music. And so... I had no idea for you got to understand. I grew up in a church where we sang out of a hymnal. Right. And that's what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really <clears throat> I don't know if I've told this story before or not, but it was really cool when uh, 
the first time I went to a different church and became a member at another church, uh, the church that I moved to sang a mixture of hymns and modern worship songs and had a band and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was just something I'd never been exposed to my whole life. It was like, we sing out of the hymn book and there may or may not only grew up with that. And so when we try to sing from a hymn book with no accompaniment, we feel weird. Yeah. And then some of us, when we walk into a sanctuary and we see a stage in a band feel weird. Right. Yeah. And so what was really cool was I think I kind of always had, not because of anything somebody had specifically ever taught or said to me, but I always had this kind of very uh, staunch, kind of stiff view that like if you sing modern worship songs, like you probably, you're maybe a little squishy in your theology. It's just not that solid. Or like if you have to have a stage, like that weirded me out. And I had a very... This was in my early 20s, and I had just had a very, um, I can't think of the word, but I had a very narrow view of, like, how worship could be done. So um, when I went to this church where they had a band Mm -hmm. and they had a stage and the words were up on the screen, I was just like, this makes me feel weird. Um, And it was a really good experience for me because once I really became a part of that church and got to know the people in that church... um, I discovered all of these these men and women who are just like so much further along than me in their walk and like so much more sanctified than me and with like deep, serious theology and they're singing these modern worship songs. And yeah. that really helped give me a frame that I hadn't had before. Right. And it was, a, it was good for me. I needed that. Um, and I'm really thankful that that happened. So anyway, all of that to say, I think the older I've gotten... The less of um, a, uh, I'm I'm not a hymn only person. Right. I do think that we have a plethora of solid God glorifying modern worship songs that can and should be sung. Um, obviously, neither of us are um, exclusive psalmody. Right. Um, I do think psalms should be sung in the church, like at minimum, like psalms were given <laughs> to be sung. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that if you're not singing psalms, you're probably missing out. A lot of the hymns I grew up with were based on psalms, and I, I do think that's important. But all of that to say, um, modern worship music, so the, I mean, the, the two biggest names in modern worship music that probably produced the most would be Hillsong and Bethel, mm-hmm. which obviously we have major theological disagreements with. Right. And um, those problems of theology will come out in their songs as they should yeah um (laughs) i'm so sorry so anyway what i learned this week (laughs) was number one that um i didn't i didn't mean to comment on the song reckless love and i didn't really i mean i shared that i don't like the song Mm -hmm. but i definitely wanted to comment on what the author had to say about it because it was so horribly disturbing right um I guess I should tell you guys what he said about it, huh? Tell us. Okay. So the song Reckless Love, it's on the charts right now. All kinds of churches are singing it. Justin Bieber sang his own Justin Bieber is singing it. It's all over the place. And it's called Reckless Love. And um, I actually really like the tune. Um, The guy's obviously very talented. Very talented, yes. Obviously, that's not... We're not being snarky. Like, he's very talented. If we were in a three... 
person band with him, he would have 100%. He would be 100% of the talent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so talking about the song, he said, when I use the phrase, the reckless love of God, I'm not saying that God himself is reckless. I am, however, saying that the way he loves is in many regards quite so. What I mean is this. He is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regards to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. His love isn't crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike, and might I even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous. His love bankrupted heaven for you. His love doesn't consider himself first. His love isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself out there. He simply gives himself away on the off chance that one of us might look back at him and offer ourselves in return. Okay. The comments I made on Facebook were very brief because Mm -hmm. what could be said about what I just read could take up an entire book. Right. Um, But... If you can hear that and not be disturbed, then I would go ahead and say that you and I worship two different gods. Just at the base of it. Right. Yeah. Um, Because he just described a God that doesn't exist. And a lot of people have said that that kind of assertion on on our part makes us Pharisees. Right. Um, Because the Pharisees were concerned about the, like, true religion. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. but I mean, just so you know, like Jesus was too, and we're told right. in Scripture what true religion is. And um, when you describe a God uh, who doesn't exist, then you're singing to an idol, number right. just number one. Right. Um, and so I don't hate Corey Asbury. I hope no. I'm saying his name right. Asbury, Asbury, Asbury probably Asbury. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate him. Um, what I do believe is that worship leaders when they are writing songs that are to be sung in corporate worship they need to be careful they need to be um consistent because essentially they're teaching believers how to worship god and you know in james 3 we're told uh not many of you should become teachers (laughs) because you're going to be judged more harshly um and essentially, the, those who are choosing the songs that we sing in worship and who are writing the songs that we sing in worship, they have a huge responsibility to worship God correctly. Right. And so the question for me isn't with reckless love isn't really like, does Corey Asbury love God? Right. Be- but my question is, if he's writing songs for the people of God to sing, we know he's going to be judged more harshly and held accountable for his words. And the question isn't whether or not he's genuine or sincere. The question is whether or not he's leading God's people to worship God rightly. Right. And Well, and it's, it's also, I think, a good moment to make the distinction that there are songs that are written explicitly to be sung in worship of a holy God. Yes. And then there are songs that are about God. They are not worship songs. They are not songs that you sing to God in corporate worship. Right. In reverence to him. Right. There are songs that people have written that are about God and about their walk. And those things are different 
it's okay to make a distinction between something that can be played yes. in service and something that should be can go on the radio <laughs> and you can sing along sure. with. Yes. And you know. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And every person who writes a song that's going to be sung in corporate worship like should be careful about the words that they are putting in the mouths of God's people. And I think that the modern evangelical church has this ridiculous idea that our relationship with God is emotional, private, squishy, and no one else gets to comment on it or question it or be a part of it. And so while it's true that you can't read someone else's heart, we're talking about songs that are sung in corporate worship by the body of believers. Right. And this is worship that's demanded by God to be done in a group setting in order right. to glorify him. Right. Well, and that's the the reason I'm talking about reverence to a holy God is because that well, so I think what we saw in previous generations was a higher form of liturgy. Yeah. People got dressed up and they went to church. Church was for this very, very specific thing. It was like how you presented yourself. There's a solemnness about it. And so I think we took all that liturgy and we associated it with stuffiness and this faraway God who we're just supposed to um, worship, but he's not near at all. And then this craze of the personal Jesus Christ came out. Right. And so, so it now, swung the pendulum the right. complete opposite end. Right. So in this act of rebellion, we decided to keep so that God wouldn't feel far away, we would focus on the personal relationship that we have with him. Um this is also done because of because a lot of worship has um evangelism undertones as well. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of times, like we already discussed, it doesn't always mean this. But um, depending on the level of concert yeah. that you're putting on, it's yeah. very appealing to other people who might not be believers. Um, it focuses on sort of this this God that just loves you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is an appealing yes. message to people. Yes. Um, so we have swung in this completely wrong direction, yep. which is that liturgy... uh, refers to this far off God who we must only worship in awe. Um, But the thing is, is there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Right. We should be when we worship God together Mm -hmm. as a church body. It, it, there, there is, we made this mistake of going to the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. Right. There is something in between where you are being reverent Mm-hmm. to a holy God yep. and yet still celebrating that he, there is a personal interaction with yeah. you, which is that Christ tore the right, veil. Right. We have direct access to the throne room right. through the blood of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that seeing him as holy and being God fearing mm-hmm. is stuffy and that yes. God is far away. Yes. Yes. And that's exactly right. And I wanted to bring up that kind of in a way and say that, I think that we have a different starting point in what we think is appropriate for worship music than someone like Corey Asbury does. The question shouldn't be, how does the music make me feel? Bless you. It should, the question should be, how does this song glorify God? Right. And so that is the point of corporate worship. It's not about leading you into a position where you 
like understand the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. It's where you observe the holiness of God and you worship him yes. for it. Yes. You you give yourself, your yes. worship is an offering yes. to the holiness of God. It's not about, it's not a moment for you to feel how close God is to you. Yes. And that is the standard. I'm not saying those things are not okay. Right. Um, I'm just saying they don't. They're not supposed to be. That is not the purpose yes. of the worship service. Correct. We can't buy into the, the whole. The worship service is not about you and your feelings. Right. That's not what it's about. Right. It's about God and glorifying him. Right. Period. End of story. Right. And so when Jesus told us in John 4, he said that worshiping God, it has to be done in spirit and in truth. And so John Piper calls, I love what he says about the demand for spirit and truth. He, he says that it's strong affections for God that are rooted in truth. You have to have both. It cannot right. It cannot just be, here's some truth, the right. end. And it cannot just be, here's a lot of feelings, the end. It right. has to be both together. Right. And so John Piper also talks about, essentially he says that until a congregation is devastated by the horror of sin, because it is demeaning and belittling to the glory of God, accompanied by having a majestic vision of God's glory and justice and holiness right. and wrath until those two very different realities are taught and really felt by God's people, the reality of God's grace and his mercy and his love won't be rightly known or understood or even appreciated. Right. And so he's saying that if you don't comprehend the horror of your own sin against God, and you do not value his justice and holiness and wrath as you should, then you're likewise not going to understand his grace and his mercy. And I I would say his love as well, because his love is seen in a believer's life as grace and mercy and a thousand other little things too. So essentially, the question is not whether a statement in the song is literally true by itself. But right. what effect does it have on the people? That is, how does it fit into our view of God? Right. So it may be that the same truth will be sung one time in context, but it will not be sung another time in another context because the whole tendency and tone of the context is going to be misleading. And it could confirm, it could just be teaching people error. And right. so I think what getting back to what... Corey Asbury said about the song before we even talk about the song specifically. Right. Because like I said in my post that kind of kicked all this off, what Corey said about the song was actually more disturbing than the song itself, I would say. Well, and it reveals the intention of the song. Correct. As well. Correct. So he said, you know, he believes God's love is reckless. And he said, God is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions. Well, so that's what I mean. He goes, he doesn't just say, it's not even, I don't even think you, I'm just going to go ahead and point out that I don't think you even pointed to the, to the exact word reckless. I didn't. Not in, your, not in my post. In your no. post. No. Um, but so the thing is, is what you did point to was the statement that he made, which is where the statement where he used the word reckless and then he defined what the word reckless means yes. in the song. Yes. So <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I think that his um <clears throat> I think his definition of the word reckless is he uses very um humanistic 
words to describe it. Like it's very much from, it's very much the way that you describe a human being reckless in a positive way. Yes. Um, and I would say that it goes too far into describing God in a very human way. Well, in a way that's not just human, but the opposite of how he's described in the Bible. Right. Yeah. Right. We can't, you hear the word, you, if we were talking about a person, uh-huh. everything that he's saying could be true. Sure. But we're not talking we're about not a talking person. We're not talking about a person. That's right. So that's what I mean. Like he, he's, his, he's describing the way that a human would recklessly love someone. Yes. The description is off and that yeah. offsets the yes. tone of the song. Yes. Now you know what he means when he says the word reckless in the song. He told it to you. Yes. He said what he means. Yes. Um, and what he means by that is what he's describing as a person. Yes. Not God. Yeah. So he says he is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions, which, number one, is not true. I mean, if, if you right. believe that God acts in such a way that he's unconcerned with the consequences of his actions, then I don't think you have read the hundreds of verses in, in the Bible about how sovereign God is and how everything af- unfolds according to his purpose right. and his plan. Right. He's not unconcerned about the consequences. Right. In fact, he knows what the consequences are and he planned them himself. Right. There is no, there's no, I'm sure there will be people that are upset just about like the word semantics with the word reckless, but I just don't think if there is a word out there that does not describe God. Reckless is one of them. I mean, there is no risk for God. There is no, there is no, um, no. There's never a moment where he's unconcerned. He can't be unconcerned. He can't be unconcerned. So. And reckless means rash, careless, thoughtless. Thoughtless? Like, are you kidding me? Thoughtless? So we understand what he's trying to say. We get it. Yeah. We understand what he's trying to say is that God God doesn't care. He doesn't care about your feelings. Like, he doesn't need to care about your feelings. Right. Um, he is God. Yeah. So we understand that that's what he's trying to say. He loves us in this way that to us human as humans would appear to be very reckless. But in and of itself, it is not reckless. He cannot be. He cannot reckless. be. And when he says, um, you know, he's so he doesn't care. He's unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regards to his own safety. Literally nothing is unsafe to God. And just like to tell you that. And that's what I mean. Like it's it's describing... It's the very human thoughts of God. Like it's it's rooted in humanism. Well, yeah. And I get what he's trying to say. Yeah. But he's not yeah. right so <laughs> about I, that. Yeah. And I want to specifically address two two more things that he said. Number one, he said his love doesn't consider himself first. Yeah. That was a big. That's a big red flag, you guys. Because um, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's so many angles I could come at this from. We are not first. That's not why. That's not why uh, God. That's not why the Father sent the Son to die for us. It's not so that He could place us first. Right. The that's son, not what happened. Number one, the Son is seated on the throne, right. and the only reason that you are also seated in heavenly places with Him is because um, God is the first and best of beings. 
So uh, God does consider himself first. And God's glory is the point of all of creation. Right. Um, he did all this for himself. For his glory. And that's okay. There's it, no sin there. It, and that's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the best thing for you. God's concern, if you're a believer, God's concern and care for his glory is the best news for you. Right. Because his dying on the cross and glorif- it was glorifying to himself. Right. And so this whole concept of his love doesn't consider himself first. I don't even know. That's not true. He is first. He is first and he will always be first. You cannot be first. Right. That's, that's just, it's just not even a thing. Right. And then he goes on to say, he doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself out there. And this, he simply gives himself away on the off chance that one of us might look back at him and offer ourselves in return. So if you say this about a person again, great, it could all be true. However, it could be describing a great person, right? But these are not this, attributes of God. This is not how God loved you. God's love wasn't reckless. Right. The cross was God's plan from before the foundations of the world. Revelations 13, eight tells us that. So God didn't do something risky and sending his son no. to die because no. we know it was his sovereign plan all along. And Proverbs right. four tells us, that the Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Right. Job 42, Job says in Job 42, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So there's no off chances in God's right. world. There's no, right. I'm not sure what's going to happen. No, God doesn't put himself out there. He's not putting himself out there. This isn't prom. Isaiah 14, 27 says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? Right. I mean, Daniel 4, the Daniel same 4. thing. Yep, exactly. Who can say to him, none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Like, yes. It's just not. There is. There... Sorry, I really misquoted that, but. I got your point. It's all right. I'm over here. Yeah. (laughs) Just go read Daniel 4, you guys. Don't be so lazy. It's actually really great. If you're just looking for that, (laughs) it's towards the end of Daniel 4, but uh, it is actually at the end of Daniel 4. Right. So, and I mean, I think what the, this conversation, when, when people want to defend the term or, or whatever, I think what we're missing is God's holiness and his complete set apartness from us. So something so amazing and different about God is that he isn't miserable or lonely without us because he exists in perfect unity in the Trinity as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. So he experiences perfect love and unity and he doesn't need you to love him back in some kind of off chance. Right. And he's, he's not motivated to love us because we're making up for some like deficiency that he has. And now at last, you know, he's, his weakening deity is suddenly strengthened by our love for him. Right. He can be happy, finally like happy or something like that's not the picture of God that we're given in the Bible. And he certainly doesn't love us in a way just because it resonates so much with us. Right. Like, he, right. You know, we, the reason he loves us in such a way that we can't understand is because he's God. Right. It's not because he doesn't love us that way because it's so powerful to us. Right. It's because he's God. Right. Yes. And so the song, okay. So what Corey had to say about the song is obviously very problematic. I, I stand 100. 
I stand 100% behind my statement that I think he should be ashamed to speak of God in this way. I think he should, I think he must repent of preaching a God that doesn't exist. Right. And I think that he's doing a disservice, a dangerous disservice to the people of God when he describes God in this way. Right. Especially, and this is really the distinction that this show is about, which I mentioned earlier, which is that especially because it's a worship song. Correct. It's done in yes. the body. Yes. It's sung during that set apart time yeah. to God. Yes. Um, and it is basically singing about a stranger. It would yeah. be like someone really complimenting another person to you. <laughs> like if I came up to you and I was like, you're so this and this and this. And you're like, that's not me. Who are you talking about? (laughs) And it's obviously, of course, worship is on a much larger scale than a compliment. Yes. It's not complimenting God. Yes. But uh, he requires us. Yeah. To worship him. Yes. In this way. Yes. Um, And this would not be, I don't think it's appropriate to sing in your own personal life because there's a lack of truth but like it's especially not appropriate as a worship song correct and what we are trying to what we're trying to say is that um when you write something that's false specifically for to be for it to be a part of worship yeah that is you're going to be judged harshly for it yes scripture says that and that you need to be careful and neither i mean i'm not surprised i know the Theology of Hillsong and Bethel. I'm not surprised when I hear. Yeah. It's very man-centered. It's man-centered right. theology. And that's dangerous. And right. there was this guy um, named Jake Goslin. He's like a worship music teacher mm-hmm. or something or other. And he wrote a blog post about reckless love. And he basically said that you're kind of an idiot if you don't like the song. And you're a Pharisee if you don't like the song and so on and so forth. He said, if you feel offended that Corey used the the word reckless to describe God's love, go read your Bible and more specifically Luke 15. So Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son. And um, the prodigal son is, uh, I can't remember if it's referenced specifically in reckless love, but essentially um, in a lot of the conversations I had, there's this, this parallel drawn between the story of the prodigal son and... Um, you know, the shepherd leaving the 99 to go find right the one. Well, and of course, that one's referenced specifically, specifically in, the song. in the song. And so a lot of people are like, yeah, I mean, the father, the father's love for the prodigal son in Luke 15 was reckless. And again, a lot of people have said, you know, it would be better if he used the word relentless. And I'm like, okay, that would be, um, less problematic but only because um i'm a calvinist and i believe in perseverance of the saints and that god will finish uh the work that he started right um but i don't think that the love that the father and the story of the prodigal son had was a impulsive impetuous devil may care love that and those by the way are all synonyms for reckless right um I don't think it was thoughtless. I think the point was that this, you are my son and I love you. Right. And so. There was nothing reckless about it. It was just 
in that story, the point is that it's so matter of fact. Yes. Like it I, cannot be changed right. by your sin. Right. So that it's there is nothing to it's be reckless about. Right. Um, because it was already set. Right. It was already assured. Yes. There's nothing risky about it. Nope. It cannot it change. Is. In yeah. fact, it's the opposite of reckless. Right. <laughs> it's relentless. Right. <laughs> um, and I just, I just think it's really interesting the the kind of conversation around the song. Um, and again, my my actual major problem with the song isn't the word reckless. My problem with the song is what we've already talked about. You know, our theology of um, what is required of us in worship, what is right. required of us in corporate worship. I think the song is incredibly um, irreverent in its use of reckless, for sure. I think it's a it's a great example of current. Yeah, the current state. The current state that, of worship yeah. in our churches, which is that um, it's yeah. more about my relationship yes. with God. I'm entering into worship so that I can feel like this heightened yes. connection yes. with God. Um, but that's not, it's meant to be yeah. an offering yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, it is just, and then it, it, it focuses on... Um, making God's love very appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very seeker. Yes. Sensitive. Yes. Um, Who doesn't want to sing about how much God loves them? Right. I mean, and there's no problem with singing that God loves you. There are a lot of great worship songs that talk about right. God's love for you. Oh, yeah. And that's not a problem. And there are worship songs that, where you say I. Yeah. That's fine if <laughs> yeah. you, you know, like, yes. we're not saying that cross out all the worship songs where you refer to yourself right um right the point is the heart of worship and then where the whole pharisaical argument comes in is that you can't know the heart of the person but you can know the heart of the person if they're saying things about god in their worship song that aren't true right and so one big distinction i think between a worship song that is good and true and lovely and should be sung and a worship song that should be left in the trash like reckless love Mm-hmm. is that you're going to learn something right from the song right it's going to have theology in it that's going to stick with you throughout the week right. i can't remember i think matt chandler said something about how you know he preaches a sermon and you're going to forget most of the words but throughout the week you're going to remember the worship songs so it's mm-hmm. important that the words and the songs that we're singing are good and true and lovely and that there's the spirit and truth Right. Both things. Right. I think calling God's love reckless is a lie. My conscience won't allow me to sing it. Um, but if you think about some of the great hymns in history um, that are full of great theology, you have hymns like How Great Thou Art and Great Is Thy Faithfulness. And if you look at the the lyrics in these songs, they're full of truth. They're full of scripture, number one. Right. Um, and they're full of truth that, you have a tune to that sticks in your head. Right. It's not just feelings. God loves me. It's like, okay, God loves me upon the basis of the blood right. that was shed for me. And it's talking about redemption and atonement and all this stuff that really feeds believers souls. And you, you hear God talk in scripture about how, you know, he spoke a word and the whole universe came into existence. Right. right? Words are powerful. Right. 
words are words can be incredibly dangerous and they can yeah. be incredibly beneficial. Yeah. And so we need to because words can tear down and build up, we have to be aware of how best to use them. Right. And so uh, did I say in this episode, shame on Corey Asbury? Yeah, I did. I don't think I'm being reckless in the use of that word. No. I'm purposefully, I think, calling someone to repent of writing a dangerous song with dangerous intent. And I think that right. that needs to happen for the benefit of believers. I think that needs to happen for the growth of the church. I think we need to get out of this place where worship is just this heightened emotional me, me, me experience where you're essentially just worshiping yourself and your feelings. I think right. we need to be, I think we need to be more reverent with how we talk about God. And I think that we have such a arsenal of great worship songs to sing that we don't need to pick the low hanging fruit. Right. And you don't need to pick songs that people will like singing. It's, it's not, it's just not, we've lost this perspective that the worship service is about God right, and not about you. Yeah. Well, when you want to fill the pews, right, you can do it pretty easily if you want. Right. And I'm not saying that that's what Corey Asbury wants to do. I don't know. Right. I don't actually know what well, he does with his life. Other and than see, work. that's the thing is I, I think he really does believe that God is reckless. He believes his statement. Yeah. Um, sure. I'm not trying to judge yeah. the heart of him. Yeah. But just because someone writes something that's heartfelt doesn't mean yeah. it's true. There's a I lot mean, of genuine people out there who believe a lot of wrong things very genuinely. Right. Oh, yeah. Go talk to a Mormon. Yes. They believe what they're saying. Right. Then they're very genuine about it. And it's it. not, it's just, there's a, there's, there's just a, a laziness in being unwilling to even discuss yeah. if a word yeah. is correct, like the usage, the correct or incorrect usage of a word. Yeah. That's not it's pharisaical. A, no. You said it. Yeah. You said it. <laughs> if you didn't, like, you're either going to have to say it and defend it. Right. You, but you don't get to say words and then just be like, oh, well, I really meant it. <laughs> well, and congratulations. then have us just be like, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, I think things that I really mean all the time right. that aren't necessarily correct. <laughs> yes. So there's not, it's not a, we're not like looking over the neighbor's fence going, mm, look what they have going on over there. <laughs> right. Right. That's not, that's not what's happening. No. <laughs> um, I, I think that, see, I come from the opposite side that you did. I grew up in a very like charismatic Pentecostal and I saw like I saw worship as a way to enter into this like speaking in tongues and falling on the ground and mm. just almost like an out of body experience. And then I've been to churches where they just sing out of a hymnal and I'm like, Ugh. what's happening? Everyone can hear my <laughs> voice. Um, and so uh, yeah, like it's weird. It's it's there is a part of me that's like it would be so hard to worship with just like with no music or anything. But that's not where our uh, commentary on the song is coming from. It's no. not about our personal no. um, preferences, because I think people can absolutely worship without a piano or a guitar. Um, I think people can with worship one. with only the Psalms. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm definitely not. I, I don't do that. Yeah. But uh we we actually when we were in Ireland we were in in connection with some churches that did psalms only. Oh, cool! And um, I could tell in their prayers. Yeah, 
that they yeah i mean they just like their prayers were spoken in this like very yeah psalmist flowery yes. like dramatic and of course with the irish accent even more that sounds so, so cool i'm yeah. so jealous you got so to hear really that. i mean and i could just right away i was like it's because they just sing songs yeah <laughs> but so i we're, the idea isn't that like we're trying to we're not commentating on how someone worships it's what it needs god, to be true yeah. though what, what has god said about how we should right. worship the offering that you give to god needs to be what he requires he takes yeah that remember seriously. in the old testament when he struck people right. down yeah he does take it very seriously <laughs> for not worshiping how right. he told for them not to writing the right sacrifice yeah he destroyed people yeah he's not this is not like a pharisaical thing yeah god says yeah worship me in this way in spirit well jesus said in spirit and in truth right and so i think there's kind of this idea of like well the pharisees were worried about truth therefore if you're too worried about truth, you're a Pharisee. But that's that's wrong. You totally missed what the Pharisees are. Right. The Pharisees were legalists, but Jesus was very much doctrinally accurate, and he spent oh, yeah. a lot of time teaching solid doctrine. Right. Um, and he demands that he is worshipped in spirit and in truth. Right. And you can't give up one for the sake of the other. Right. They have to exist at the right. same time. And in the worship context we should come to it with reverence to the point where we should not even consider putting something untrue about God. Yes. Into that arena. If something it might just be, shouldn't be, if something might be offensive to God, why don't you go ahead and not do it? Right. Probably right. my recommendation. But yeah. We, yeah, there is the worship service <laughs> is specifically set mm-hmm. to give reverence to God. That's what it's for. That's right. Um, so there is, a, there is an appropriate sacrifice yeah. that is to be brought before God in that moment. Yeah. And singing a song to him about him that's not yes. true yes. would be considered a, a bad sacrifice. Yeah. Which, as we just said, people were <laughs> destroyed for. Yeah. And so what I want people to hear is not that we're like, oh, look at us. We have all the answers and all this and stuff. If if that's what you're getting out of this, I think you're, you're coming to your worldview through a very postmodern lens of like, well, who really gets to say who is right and who is wrong? And I can answer that for you. The answer is Jesus. He gets to say what is right and what is wrong. He gets to say how he's worshipped or not. Right. We've been told very clearly in Scripture. And what I want is for the the evangel- modern evangelical church to recapture a sense of fear and awe and reverence and delight in glorifying God. Because here's, here's the deal, and here's my heart behind this. Uh, we all... We all can make the mistake of thinking that uh, our happiness is what makes us happy. But that's right. not true because right. there are Christians all over the world who are being persecuted for the sake of Christ, who are, who are suffering and dying for the sake of Christ, who have more joy and peace than some of us will ever know in our lifetimes. And the reason for that is that <clears throat> they... Are glorifying God. Glorifying God is for your good. The best thing you can do, the most joy you'll ever have, is in glorifying God because you were created to do it. Yeah. To do it. Yeah. That's what you you were created to glorify God. Yeah. So it's it's actually a really really big deal. <laughs> right. Um. 
And I think we've lost some of that in our very secular pop psychology, postmodern, Brene Brown type of landscape where we're so concerned about our feelings and me, 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 and I, 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 and we're all triggered. We all need safe spaces and we're all offended. And um, I think we've lost some of that, that liturgy that you were talking about that we need some more of. But anyway. Yeah, we've placed like a really, a not true connotation on liturgy, which is that it is stuffy and there's no, it's like lacking the joy that we can have when we come before God. Right. But we can also be reverent and solemn when we come to God and experience joy. Like they're not, they're not exclusive. That's right. From one another. That's right. I don't even know, man. I had to yeah. turn. I had to, yeah. I gotta. I gotta take a break from this conversation. Like, I, I really just. And we're like, I. I hope that you guys who are listening walk away, um, and walk away with the thought that we are not just specifically talking about this one song. Correct. But a lot of what we're talking about is a principle, yes. rather. Yeah. That we are supposed to judge. Yeah. The appropriateness of worship yes. songs through. Correct. Um, I think this was R.C. Sproul. Um, I think he, so he said, I'm pretty sure this was him. Rather, let us return to Augustine who agreed that we can use a variety of music in our worship, but all that is done should be done with a certain gravitas, a certain solemnity, mm. always containing the attributes of reverence and awe before the living God. Yes. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. So it's not speci- it's not a, just about a word in no, a song. It's not. It's not about who wrote the song and what church it came out of. Um it's just that there there is a standard of worship. Yes. And reckless love doesn't meet it. It doesn't. The end. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feminist of the week. Should we do it? Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. We'll just do this one real fast because this one just like popped off the screen at me. I don't even know how I found this person. Um, Mm. I think someone somewhere retweeted someone, whatever, came across my feed. So this lady, I don't know. This person's name is Cameron Esposito. And she is a comic and a host of um, a podcast called Query Cast. Okay. So I, she's, I'm, oh. I'm not trying to be rude. I don't, I'm unsure if Cameron is a guy or a girl and I should have looked into that or maybe she doesn't identify as a, I don't know what to say right now. Um, anyway, this tweet, this tweet that she sent out, I thought just like really captured the wisdom of our age. She said, my homosexuality may be nature's way of balancing out this family with three kids under three I'm sitting next to. (laughs) Okay. I do think that she is. She is a she? she. Okay. Yeah. I think so too. She's a lesbian. She's a lesbian. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So numero uno reason why this confuses me is because 
So if God does, if there's no God, then you have to accept Darwinian evolution as a means by which we all got to where we are today. Right. And um, she's seeming to recoil at a family with three small children. And I'm just thinking, well, in your worldview, this family is doing better than you because the goal of Darwinian evolution is to reproduce. Right. If you can't reproduce, then you're of no you use. You have less fitness. You're going to be you, deleted. You will rightfully die off. Right. So I'm just like, well, okay, what's... Don't... Okay, anyway. Um, and, you know, so then she she attributes her homosexuality to nature. because She says, my homosexuality may be nature's way of balancing out this family with three kids under three. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, oh, man, are you trying to, what's the word, um, justify your sin? Right. So you're blaming your sexual perversion on nature and right. its desire to balance out this family. And the, Except that in your worldview, nature wouldn't do that. Nature would favor that family right. and not you. They wouldn't balance you out. So it just, it's so, um, it it's just, just, it's the wisdom of our age, right. man. Like I had this great thought that makes sense in and of itself when I say it in one sentence, uh -huh. but every, don't think about it too much. <laughs> right. Cause right. The, you will find some inconsistencies. Right. And I'm just thinking, you know, supposedly the, the left and secular humanists, they champion themselves as loving and tolerant and all these things, but she's literally sitting next to a family with small children and right. recoiling. Right. That's not tolerant, man. Right. You're not being loving at all. No. Wouldn't kindness be like smiling at a nice young family or, you know, like, I don't even know, but like, why, how can you say with a straight face that you oh, are... <laughs> I'm sorry. We can take that out if you want. Leave it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just uh, happened. How can you say with that face of yours that, <laughs> you know, you're all about love and kindness and all these things and letting people live the life they want? Well, and you can't be a born person and be like, <laughs> I balance out that other family of born people. <laughs> Like you could say, you could say, well, if my parents had aborted me, that would have balanced out the three kid family down sure, the street. Sure. It just doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, that just, man, I see stuff like that and I'm just like, dude, without God, you are just reduced to absurdity. Right. And you, it is. You are a, absurd. Yeah. It's a, it's a hilarious observation for someone that believes what she believes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's it for this week, you guys. Um, what do I need to tell them? I need to tell our Patreon supporters to check out our Q&A that we did for them. Mm -hmm. That's on patreon.com slash sheologians. If you want to be a part of another Q&A, um, free content isn't free. So Patreon is how we do this. Uh, it's our listeners who are like, yeah, I'll give you six bucks a month. Right. That's how we do this. Right. So for you guys, um, we have a just a session where... People sent in random questions and we answered answer. them. Some of them are personal questions. Some of them are theological questions. Yeah. It's just a perk of being a Patreon right. person yep. thing. So right. 
Anyway, that's it for this week. We'll see you guys next week. See ya. Unlocking the gates. This is why we can't have nice.